Welcome to Spring Creek Church Online. I'm Dr. Jessica Fernandez, and I'm the online campus pastor. I am so excited to be with you here today. It is always an honor and a privilege whenever I get to speak the Word of God. And uh, let's pray so we can get started. Lord, we just thank you for this day that you have given us, Father. We just pray, Lord, for every single person that's watching this broadcast, Lord Jesus, that you may touch their hearts, that you may touch their lives, Lord Jesus, that you may speak to each and every person, Father, on an individual basis. Father, we thank you. We just uh, ask you that the Holy Spirit may guide us and lead us, Lord. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So last week, Pastor Keith uh, started a sermon series called This Changes Everything. And he asks us two questions. The first question that he asks us is, what if Jesus had, had never been born? And that's such a great question. And the second question that he asks us is, if his presence, teaching, and influence were completely erased for all time, how different would our world be today? And those are two fantastic questions that get us thinking about what would happen if Jesus was never born? But what we do know is that there is no denying that the birth of Christ has changed our world. And for me personally, Christ has changed my life. And I know that he will be continuing to change my life until my very last breath. And that's why I love Christmas so much, because it reminds me of the transforming work that he has done in my life personally. But when I say I love Christmas, please don't misunderstand me. I love Christmas, but I don't buy any gifts. Yes, I said it. I don't buy any gifts, except for my children who always ask me for monetary gifts or really expensive brand new technology. But, but what kid doesn't? But my preference is really buying practical gifts. Yep. I'm that parent that buys deodorant, shampoo, razors, and shaving cream that will last you till next Christmas. Because who doesn't want deodorant uh, that will last you a whole year? I know it's not exciting, but I know that it'll save the money. And since they're on their own, I'm sure that they'll appreciate that. But years ago, when we used to buy our kids tons of gifts when they were smaller, we've bought them TVs and video game systems and, and DVD players and cell phones and all the expensive things. And, and now we're up to iPhones and iPads. See, my daughter just told me the other day, mom, I need an iPad because I can't be successful without one. I mean, really, who can't be successful without an iPad? But we just experienced Black Friday and, and people will wait hours and people will fight over things that they want to purchase for the latest and greatest. And then we have Cyber Monday where everybody will go online stalking. I mean, shopping. Everybody will go online shopping so that they can get all the things that they didn't get for Black Friday. But why? Why do we do that? Why would we subject ourselves uh, to the craziness of it all? I guess uh, what makes us want the newest and the greatest uh, technology is that we believe that it will be a game changer. You see, this is the one thing, the one product that will completely change our lives. You see, if I go out and I buy this luxury exercise bike, I promise I will lose weight this time. You see, this will motivate me to get out of bed and exercise. And, and, and when that strawberry cheesecake comes around during Christmas time and I'm thinking about getting my third serving, that bike will remind me of that new self-discipline that I just purchased in the form of a fancy exercise bike. You see, but there's some truth to that. There are products that have completely changed my life, like the microwave, the Keurig, my smart TV, my smartphone, and Wi-Fi, because where would I be and who would I be without Wi-Fi? This is what we call disruptive technology. You see, dis disruptive technology is an innovation that significantly alters the way 
that consumers, industries, and businesses operate. It replaces older systems and processes or habits that we have in place because it causes us to get things done faster and more efficiently. And as we usually see the effects and results of new technology immediately because it disrupts our normal to give us a better way of doing things. Disruptive technology targets overlooked customers who couldn't afford or didn't have access to these innovative, simple, life-changing products and services available to everyone. So it's called a disruptive technology because its existence, its presence radically changes the path and directions that businesses and customers uh, go on. It challenges our current way of thinking and questions why we do the things the way that we've always done them. Long before Black Friday, long before Cyber Monday, long before disruptive technology, there was a disruption that changed the trajectory of the world forever. Yup, you guessed it, the birth of Jesus. You see, Jesus's birth caused a disruption in the lives of all those around him, even the most unlikely of people. So much so that we are talking about the effects of his birth, life, and death to this very day, and we will continue to do so until he returns for his church. You see, the birth of Jesus challenges us. His birth causes us to question our current beliefs. Like, who should we be following? Like, what exactly is our purpose and who we should really be worshiping? You see, a lot of times we worship things that we're not supposed to be worshiping. We'll worship everything else but Jesus who is right in front of us. We'll worship our careers. We'll worship our family. We'll worship money. We'll worship all our possessions. But none of those things has the power that Jesus has in our lives. You see, this is exactly what happened to the wise men when they saw the star that would lead them to Bethlehem. The Bible says Matthew 2, 1 and 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Now, let me shed some light on some fake news about the wise men. We don't know how many wise men there are, so three kings day is probably a lie. We don't know the specific city the wise men came from, but we do know the geographical area, which is Persia. Think Iran and Iraq. Lots of stories about the wise men indicate that they were present in the stable when Jesus was born. But the wise men went to visit Jesus within the first two years of his life, so he was probably a toddler. The wise men, also known as Magi, were astrologers who engaged in foretelling the future, which is why they noticed the star. They might have been pagan priests whose ritual centered around the elements of nature. You see, in this period, most Greeks, Romans, and even Jews respected astrological predictions, which is why they were often serving as counselors to the kings. Let's talk about the star. Are we 100% sure it was a star? No, not really. It could have been an actual star, or it could have been a bright light in the sky, or it could have been an alignment of the planets, Jupiter, Mars, and Saturn, or it could have been a light that God placed in the sky. Kind of like how he led the Israelites through Egypt uh, with a cloud during the day and fire by night, also known as the Shekinah glory of God, which Pastor Keith taught about us within the last couple of sermons. But the real question is, is how did they know that that particular star would lead them to Jesus? You see, when I look at the stars and I see a bright star, nothing in my mind says that I should get in my car and follow that star. You see, we know that they were looking to the heavens because they studied the stars. 
A cosmic signal would indicate the end of the current ruler's reign, so they know that some kingdom was coming to an end. But the best explanation is found in the book of Daniel. When Babylon conquered Israel, they took captives, the brightest and the youngest uh, of the Israelites, to indoctrinate them with the Babylonian culture. Daniel and his companions were amongst those taken, and they spent 70 years in exile in Babylon. Whenever King Nebuchadnezzar consulted them about making balanced judgments, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians in the whole kingdom. One day, Nebuchadnezzar had a disturbing dream that his magicians, uh, his enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers could not interpret. With God's help, Daniel brought the correct interpretation. The king was so moved with gratitude that he rewarded him by placing him in the high position that he made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all the wise men. You see, instead of Nebuchadnezzar indoctrinating Daniel uh, and his friends with Babylonian culture and traditions, Daniel was teaching the wise men of that time the word of God. I think that's a whole sermon in itself. I think God places us someplace and sometimes we allow the things of the world to indoctrinate and change who we are instead of us being a light into the world and teaching other people uh, about the love of Christ. Daniel was perfectly positioned to prepare the way for the birth of Christ. I love that so much because isn't that what God does today? He perfectly positions you in that job that you may not like, in, in wherever it is, it doesn't matter. God wants us to be a light to all those around us. Jesus's birth caused the wise men to believe God's word. Though the Bible forgets foretelling of the future, astrology included, God uses the heavens to reveal his plan to ensure the pagans were looking. I wonder how many times God is trying to speak to us and we're just not paying attention. We're just not looking. We're just not hearing what God is saying to us because we haven't taken the time to pay attention to what is happening around us. You see, it worked. The wise men were looking and they believed what the scriptures say in Numbers 24, 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. And a scepter is basically a royal staff. You see, they believed in God's promise. I wonder how many of us have heard promises of God and still don't believe them. God has spoken right into your life and you still don't believe them because the circumstances are not showing what you believe that promise is in your life. You see, his birth caused the wise men to surrender their purpose and seek God's purpose for their lives. You see, the wise men's job was to serve the king of Persia. But when the, when, when they realized, when they saw the star, they realized that, that they were not serving the true king of kings because the king of Persia actually called himself the king of kings. They left everything behind. They left their purpose serving the king of Persia so that they could follow the will of the father. And I wonder what God would do in our lives, where he could bring us if we would surrender our will and submit to his will. If we would surrender our own ideas, if we would surrender our own dreams, if we would surrender our own desires and, and drop everything and follow the will of the father. 
how much better our lives would be, how much more fulfilled we would be, how much more peace we would have if we would just drop everything and surrender to who he is and the plan that he has for your life and the plan that he has for my life. You see, what I love so much about the wise men is that they believe the word and their belief turned to action. You see, a lot of us will hear the word of God, but we won't believe it. Some of us will believe it, but it never moves us to action. We never do anything with it. We'll sit here and we'll listen to online sermons every single day, 24 hours a day. We'll come to church. We'll sit in the chairs and we'll never be moved to action to doing the thing that God is calling you to do. Last year, when God told us to be ready, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what God was doing in our lives. All indicators showed that we were going to be living in Florida. I was actually being considered for promotion. We were completely settled in our home. We were so excited to stay there. And then God tells us to be ready. And so when God said, you need to clean the garage, we did. It sounded crazy. No one believed me. But we walked in obedience and we did it. And then it led to something else. And then it led to another thing that God asked us to do. Then he said, sell your furniture. And we started selling furniture and we kept going until God finally opened the door. You see, our belief led to action. Our belief caused us to do something, to move, to change our environment so that we can walk into the thing that God called us, called us to do. See, if we never, you can believe, but if there's no action, then you're just a believer who does nothing. And God wants us to be believers who will move when he tells us to move. When they knew that they weren't serving the true king of the Jews, the realization made them drop everything, literally embark on a journey with an unclear destination. You see, they did not know where their star was going to bring them. They did not know where they were going to be led, but they had faith knowing that wherever that God was bringing them, that it was going to be good. You see, but not all action is good action. Because when we believe God wor- God's word, we can, we can move in a positive direction. We can move towards the Lord. We can surrender all to the Lord. But sometimes we believe the word and it draws us away from the Lord because the word shows us who we really are. You see, the wise men were not the only ones whose whole world was disrupted by the star in the sky. Matthew 2, 3 through 8. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this as everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, Where's the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. Now I'm skipping over to seven. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. You see, Herod uh, called for the wise men to find out where the star appeared and to send them to Bethlehem to search for the king of the Jews. But because of Herod's paranoia, he resorted to what he knew best, which is deception. That's how he became the king of the Jews. You see, he instructed them to go find the child and report back to him. But And he said he wanted to worship him, but that actually wasn't the truth. He was lying. 
The truth is, is that he was threatened by the king of the Jews, by the true king of the Jews, the birth of Jesus. He was threatened by the potential king because he wasn't even Jewish. So he was the king of the Jews, but he wasn't even Jewish. He was a convert to Judaism and he was basically motivated by politics, which got him to the role of becoming the king of the Jews. And he made decisions, not necessarily the best decisions for the Jewish people. You see, he was a descendant of Esau, which is significant because they were traditionally enemies to the Jews. Remember Jacob and Esau who were born twins to Rebekah and Isaac? First, Jacob got Esau to give up his birthright, and then Jacob tricked his father Isaac to bless him instead of Esau. So it's because of that blessing that the Israelites come from the lineage of Jacob and not Esau. Hence why they are considered enemies and Jesus comes from the Israelites and the line of Jacob. So you can find that story in Genesis chapters 25 and 27. So though he was from the lineage of Esau, though he was traditionally an enemy of the Jews, he believed that he was still the king of the Jews. So when the wise men came looking for the one born of the Jews, he was deeply disturbed and concerned. He was like, why are we keep looking for the king of the Jews? I'm right here. I've been serving my people all along. You see, just because we believe the action is not always positive. His action and his insecurity led him to mandate that all the children under the age of two would be murdered. His belief turned into a negative action. See, Matthew 2 says, 9 and 12, after this interview, the wise men went their way and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened up their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. You see, even though they saw a helpless toddler, they saw him as Jesus Christ, the King now. I love that. That is so significant because they saw this helpless baby, but they knew that he was a king. You know, this was this, his birth was a promise. And sometimes we don't believe the promise because it doesn't look like what we think that it should look like. And see, that is the gloriousness of God. We can never figure out what he's thinking because our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. And just because it doesn't look like what we think it should look like doesn't mean that God is not using it exactly what it looks like right now. God is all about the unexpected. And guess what? If we could guess it, then we're probably trying to do the work of God. You see, the wise men's faith in his majesty led them to worship. See, they, they didn't even have a relationship with God after that. They were used to figuring out their own futures. But looking at that star, believing in his promise, their faith grew. Their faith grew to believe something that they hadn't even seen. You see, they never saw miracles uh, that would convince them of Christ's majesty. They didn't hear powerful teachings to persuade them that he was the, the son of God. 
They saw no outward signs of divinity or greatness that left them in awe. The only thing they saw was a promise in God's word, a star in the sky and a toddler. But when they looked at the helpless child, they believed that they had found a king. So they bowed down and they worshiped him. Even the gifts the wise men offered Jesus were purposeful and intentional, proving that they truly believed Jesus was the king of kings. They gave him gold for his majesty, frankincense, recognizing him as high priest, myrrh for the one who is to die. They recognized that Jesus was the king now. They didn't wait for him to grow up and take his rightful place on the throne they worshiped him now. And I'm wondering how many of us wait till we get to the destination to worship. How many of us wait to come to give our lives to Jesus until we're better, until we're perfect, until we're ready to serve the Lord. You see, the conditions didn't show that, that Jesus was the king because he wasn't a grown man. He was just a baby but they worshiped him now. That's what Christ is telling us to do in whatever circumstances that you're going through right now, whether you have money, whether you don't, whether you have the job, whether you don't, whether you have the spouse or you don't, you worship him now in the midst of your current circumstances. They understood the gravity, the significance, the magnitude of the assignment of the king of the Jews. And I love that word assignment. Because I think sometimes when we get a little assignment, we get disappointed because we want the big, grandiose, great assignments. But what we don't realize is that we have to be faithful and we have to be obedient in doing the little assignments and then God will lead you to the bigger assignments. So no assignment is unimportant to God. And Jesus's assignment was to be born so that he could die for the sins of the world so that we could all be saved from death, which is separation for God forever. See, like disruptive technology, Jesus's birth, life, and death are truly life-changing. I believe his birth changed the lives of the wise men forever. They believed his word. It changes the way that we think of life. It changes the way that we think of death. It makes eternal life available and accessible to anyone who chooses to believe in him and allow him to guide them like the star did for the wise men. Like that star, if we follow him wherever he leads us, it will be good. If we would allow him to disrupt the way that we think, the things that we believe, he will transform our lives to be a reflection of who he is. If you haven't received Jesus, as your personal Lord and Savior, he invites you to do so right now. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this day that you have given us, Father. And if there's anyone that wants to receive you, let them repeat after me. God, I need you in my heart. I believe what Jesus did on the cross was for me and my sins. I ask you to come into my heart and guide me, Lord Jesus. Make me into the person that you want me to be. I pray that, that I would be more like you every single day. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made on the cross. We thank you for all those that are listening right now, and we thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you next week.